ti naukarmantra. So we start the class like that every week, but what goes on in your mind when you sing the Nokar Mantra? Because you can definitely be saying one thing and thinking another. I do that all the time. Like, because I've said it so many times that I'm thinking about something completely different than what I'm saying. It happens a lot. I mean, it just happened right now. Oh yeah, what were you thinking about just now? Other in mind. <laughs> right. No, I, I think just as, as we were finishing up on the talk of the work, at least I felt uh, there was a good participation from this group uh-huh. into that project. And, you know, I, I think uh, that was one of the positive I thought will for this group mm-hmm. uh, so that that was in my, that was going on in my mind yeah and you realize that it shouldn't have been going on in your mind. exactly right it's it, it just happens that way but I do have a positive uh, experience uh, last week I had a deposition on Friday uh-huh. uh, so it was about six hours of constant questioning and every break I took uh, I I I started with no Karnatra. Okay. And it, there were so many things going on in my mind before the, in the before session. So just refocus. It helped every time. Even though I had some thoughts, I just, at the end of it, it helped me to refocus. Right. So it just happened that, I, at least that's my view that it happened. But then I think it's just the best way to transition in this. Uh, uh, without it, I think it would be even more difficult. Right. So in your life, why do you pray? So does anybody pray? What is prayer? What is prayer? Okay, so let's talk about that. What is prayer? If you just Nokar Mantra. Certainly, Nokar Mantra is a prayer. That's what the only thing I probably do. Okay, well that's considered the most important one, so that's good. When do you do it? I do it before I go to sleep. Uh-huh. I've tried almost 80-20 roll there, and then... We used to do it, be, well, when my mom's around, we do it before dinner. Okay. Uh, but when she's not, we forget. Right. <laughs> so what does the Nokar Mantra have to do with dinner? I'll let somebody else. <laughs> so I, what we do, uh, we used to go to Swatia. Uh-huh. And they actually have a dedicated prayer before food. Right. And uh, so we started saying that. And, and finally, what we understood ourselves because you know food we take it's very important it goes in our body so before you as you know I mean if you go to Taco Bell uh, or, or 
very kind of restaurants, you have a lot of people preparing their food and mm -hmm. their energy. And that energy goes into your body, it can bring a lot of thoughts and uh, uh, sentiments and things like that. In my mind, what we're doing that is bef bef praying before we eat or consume any kind of food, starting from when that food was either harvested, that it comes onto your plate and goes in your body. You purify that uh, and, and before you take it. So it brings a positive energy and prevents anything uh, that has happened in between, is my thought on it. That's great. So it's not necessarily, it doesn't have anything to do with the Nokar Mantra, right? It could be any prayer. Yeah. So that's why we say the Swadhyaya prayer, we say Nokar Mantra, and then we say a simplified way so kids can understand. Oh, great. But should it have something to do with what you're doing? Because if we just talked about, well, it, it, really, it really, praying before dinner doesn't really have anything to do with the Nokar Mantra. It could have been any prayer. But should it have something to do with what we're doing? So in other religions, they have different prayers for different things. Right. right? They have the Our Father for, you know, before, and they have uh, the Hail Mary for certain things, right? So they're different prayers. Right. Right? So is that what you're trying to say? Like, should we pray at all, or should we have different prayers that have focus on that specific thing? I am trying to understand the role of prayer in your life and how it differs from the book. So, prayer in my life is about, is, is about having peace at a, at a moment of time, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, you're focusing your effort outside of what's going on around you to refocus to yourself on what's going to happen. Right. So, it gives you a, a thought process or time to think of what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Now, that may not be the logic of the whole thing, but that's my personal, you know, feeling of that, right? Right. So as we said many times before, the hardest thing to do is to take what we learn here and apply it outside of your life, right? So I'm trying to understand how you guys you do prayer. I mean, like the and prayer, then, prayer has nothing to do with deposition. Right. You know, but it's about... Hey, come on in. It's about, you know, it's about refocusing a bit and understanding it. Yeah. That's... Right? You know, so it's not about eating or not necessarily I mean lots of people pray before they drive lots, I mean lots of reasons. could that be bringing yourself back to the spiritual way? so uh, that gives you peace and gives you focus uh, but you still still remain focused on your routine at time to time you bring yourself back to the soul your spiritual uh, aspect of your trainings so would you like it if you had different prayers for different things? Well, we do have different prayers. For different things, <laughs> we right? do, right? Yeah. Would you use the different prayers if you knew the different prayers and when to I use mean, them? Just, just sitting outside, right? How many prayers we go through it, right? There's right. so many prayers we do go through it and there must be a separate meaning to it. Um, but I think to me, the that all brings back to what you were supposed to do as your ultimate destiny, right? Uh, bring back to spirituality. Stay focused with your, your own soul. And look at all the things you could do with the time you got. Right. Does anybody wish for anything when they pray? Wish for something to happen or not happen? Or wish for a safe travel experience? Or I have, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Or, yeah. When driving again, so as you asked about, do you have different players? Um, 
again, when I was in Beaumont, we, we were going to Swadhyay, uh, and that's where we learned there's a prayer before you sleep, there's a prayer before you drive, mm-hmm. there's a prayer before you eat, there's a morning prayer. So there are different prayers. Um, and sometimes, it's funny sometimes, like, you know, if we say, uh, like, by going to sleep, if we say a prayer to eat, kids will say, oh, you said this. Uh-huh. And like, oh yeah, this is wrong. I mean, you know, it's sometimes, <laughs> but I think uh, what Nick said earlier kind of resonated with me is sometimes what we're trying to do is refocus. We're trying to tell ourselves that, okay, this is the activity we're doing. We have so many thoughts going in our mind. It helps to refocus. Mm-hmm. Usually in the practical life, maybe in the spiritual life, there's other implications of it, but in the practical life in day to day, I think it tells you that, okay, you are eating. You need to start focus on eating. And, and stop thinking about all the other things that happened before and, and the next step is uh, mm-hmm. it's not maybe not the only purpose but I, I think it, in the practical life I, it does that to some extent does prayer help calm anybody down does anybody use it in that respect to help calm you down if you know your kids are acting up and you realize that you're not in the right headspace I tell them to do that. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a common rule now, uh, because we used to, remember we talked about here before, that we get anger and we speak loudly. So we have implemented now, rather than we getting upset and, and loud, they have to go to the dirasar and, and say three no cars loud right. enough so everybody can hear it. Right. So that's, uh, uh, <laughs> that's our, our way to mitigate our, our anger. Right. Uh, so... That's, that's what we've used. Sometimes uh, while thinking, something's going on into mind. Yeah. And to came out from this, I just do the normal internal. That's great. Yeah. To refocus so your mind, to kind of reset, mind, yeah. Yeah, and reset what you're thinking mind. about. Because you, you find yourself thinking and you realize that the direction that you're thinking in, you don't want to go. Yeah. That's great. Anybody use prayer kind of other than that? We talked about how different people use prayer. Do anybody use prayer other than that in a different way? No, that's fine. Okay. I, I think one thing I'll say, it's, and uh, I'll admit, I do get stressed at times, and uh, it did come up, and I, I use that as stress relief. Right. I may not be saying it this way, but yeah, that's when you have thoughts, when you have thoughts going on too much, I think. It works really well with the stress relief. Right. I have a prayer for the, the thanking too. You know, mm-hmm. It's something very hard, something you pass through that and you want to thank something, you do, you do the same. Yeah. Okay, who are you thanking when you pray, when you recite a thankful prayer? Thankful for my previous karmas or whatever it is that make me go through this in a hard life, you know, a hard phase. Uh, so generally we do not pray to a I don't know how to say that one, but when you are praying these things, uh, all the prayers, what we are saying about it, is, is I'm doing something, I'm asking for me becoming part of that or try to follow those principles more right. accurately. That's what we are praying for. I generally do not ask Swami give me something. You know? right. Generally, it's not the case. Uh, at least what He's not going to give you something. Huh? He, he's not going to give you that. He's not going to Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it, it, uh, so that's what we truly follow and say, okay, let me stay focused to get these things done in a better way or pass me through this hard time in a better way and thank for letting me do that based but on it, how I... Isn't, isn't asking for strength the same thing as asking? True. 
So I'm, asking, I'm asking. I'm asking. That's what I'm saying. It's more for thanking that let me, you know, I'm I passed through this one with whatever strength I had. Thank you for that. It's kind of saying thank you to whoever. I don't know who, but that's what we do. Right. I, in, a, in a different way, thankful, I, I would put in the perspective is thinking so you you are able to focus on what whatever you were doing and and achieving and as if you were able to focus that means you were able to um, you know prevent all the other thoughts and things like that which could have been distracted you from your goal and and you think that okay I accomplished it because of my uh, it may be at the end you're thinking yourself or your thoughts but you are thinking because of God and everything that God does or if you say okay okay I was just a, a means for doing it mm -hmm. I guess you can in, in that in that aspect as well right so half of the outcome is not because of your action it's somebody else's action yeah so if that outcome is favorable to you uh, that's why you also still we also say thankful for that actually the only thing you control is your reaction to right. the action right so that's what True. you should focus on there. so I think that's great I think that there are a couple of things that the book says. There is a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. There is a right reason to pray and a wrong reason to pray. And um, we, can go, we can go over that for the book. The first thing is, uh, I'm glad that uh, very few of us pray, wish for something when we pray. Because if prayers could please a liberated soul, then some prayers could also please displease that soul. Uh, the soul, when it has become a siddha, has no attachments, right? Its character is purely that of a knower and seer. Thus, if a siddha could bestow you favors, then attributing such human frailties to that siddha would naturally mean that that siddha is not liberated. Okay, so if you are wishing for something when you're praying, you're not doing it right. Nobody can grant you anything, and no, in that same way, nobody can take away anything. So try to limit that if you're wishing for something when you pray. Well, what is the purpose of prayer? Well, the purpose of prayer is appreciation and adoration. So let's talk about the Novkar Mantra of the Panchpormeshti, which are the five supreme beings, and the expression of ardent desire to achieve those virtues in your own life. Okay, so you're not asking for things. You're appreciating the struggle that it took those souls and you and you wish that your life you wish that you could achieve those same accomplishments by um, uh, by imitating them right um, and so in prayer we express our gratitude praise and enumerate their virtues and we wish that such virtues might be imbibed in our life so if you wish that those virtues are imbibed in your life what are you doing you're just reminding yourself to do that so prayers are are when we constantly remind us what made them achieve that ultimate goal and through that reminder we help us achieve that goal okay so the so that's great so we understand that wishing for something is is the wrong way to do things and so now here's a key insight so can I ask a yeah is there a difference between wishing for something and asking for something? No. Okay. Same thing. You should not ask for anything. Unless, I mean, you're... A prayer is ultimately about yourself. 
because you're trying to mirror those virtues. So when you're asking for something, you're asking yourself, which is not, doesn't have any point at all, okay? Because you are in control of your actions, right? So it's just a reminder for you to act a certain way, for you to think a certain way, and for you to speak a certain way. And so you, you shouldn't be asking anything or wishing for anything when you prayer. And so if prayer is a constant reminder, then that means praying in the evening time is probably wrong because you're supposed because once you pray then you go to sleep and you wake up and then you don't have that reminder anymore it's totally gone it's been eight hours six hours five hours or whatever right so if a prayer is a constant reminder then you should do it in the morning to start your day and then whenever you feel like you need that reminder uh, for example whenever you need to refocus or whenever you need whenever you find yourself thinking along the wrong path and you need to think along the right path. That can be a great purpose for prayer. Don't you think that that's at night too because your mind still thinks of things? I when, think it when could you go to sleep. When you go to sleep, right? Right. I think it could be right if you reflect on the day and you reflect on what you could have done better and you try to and you try to tell yourself, "Well, I'm going to change that." But the problem is you got sleep there before. So it also would have been better to, for you to do the next morning because you could reflect on yesterday and you could say, oh, I'm going to change that today. And you could remember to do that. You can't, after you go to sleep, it's like a reset, right? You can't remember what you, can't, you but I, I thought it was more for when you sleep, right? Because your mind is all, or my mind is always thinking, right? And the hard part is to shut that mind down while you're sleeping. And so you're trying to reset your mind to be peaceful for the next six hours of sleep or whatever that is, right? Or not have bad thoughts during that, that period of time, I'm, I'm asking. Yeah, I, I don't think that you can control your thoughts when you sleep. And I, I think you're conflating the purpose of prayer with trying to get to sleep, which I don't think that prayer is supposed to help you do. I think if you're trying to get to sleep, that's a different problem that you shouldn't use prayer to solve. <laughs> well, there's another other thing that uh, I guess I've heard, I don't know if there's a science behind it, but the last thought you have before you go to sleep is usually the first thought you get in the morning. Okay. Is what I've heard. I don't know if you've heard it. Last thought you have, I mean, in your mind, last thought meaning before you yeah, go to sleep, yeah, not doing the you sleep. want to clear, right. Yeah. But if you sleep, we'd say, okay, Say no card mantra, most likely what you're going to remember in the morning is the, the first thing. I'm just giving an example. What it could be, whatever it could be, that's what you'll start your day with, is what I heard, I've, I haven't read myself. Have you experienced that? What I've experienced several times is ability to sleep and control thoughts when I am praying at night. Control your thoughts while you're sleeping? Just trying to sleep. Getting to sleep. Getting to sleep, yes. Oh, okay. So again, um, I, I'm not sure that prayer is the right method to get to sleep. Well, I think if, if it helps you, then I think it's great. And if you sleep better, then I think it's great. Um, but it doesn't have to be prayer that does it. It could have been anything, right? Right, it could have been... So it, it has nothing to do with the prayer. It just has something to do with yourself. What I do feel though, it, it, it gives a positive vibe to your mind and you, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, you're day and you, don't, you haven't accomplished anything and you feel like, okay, I, I want to get something done 
and I think it has that kind of effect to my mind. It's like, okay, right. at least I'm doing something positive, uh, and I'm able to focus on it, and I'm, I am able to avoid the, the thoughts of the things that was going on before that. Right. Um, so the benefits of prayer are, the first major benefit is samba, right? If you're praying, you're not doing any himsa, or you're not doing anything to attract good or bad, probably more so bad, karma to yourself. So that's the best. Remember, samvara is the blocking of karma, right? The blocking of karma attaching to your soul, right? Another slight benefit is sometimes you get nirdra, right? Sometimes, if depending on what you think about when you pray, uh, sometimes you get nirdra. Um, it's kind of like meditation in that way. And then this, the, the third benefit is this mindfulness thing that the book has been talking about. You're constantly reminding yourself of how to act, uh, your goals, how to, um, how to direct your thoughts and your actions to comport with the Jane way of life. And the other thing that I would suggest that people may be doing wrong is thinking about other things while they pray. What you should think about when you pray is the prayer. The words of the prayer and what the words of the prayer mean. So if I say no kar mantra and I am wishing for a safe travel, I'm not thinking about arihantas, siddhas, upadhyas, acharyas, right? I'm just saying the words but that has, it's not creating a meaning in my mind. So then what use is saying the words? You should focus on the meaning of the prayer. So, let me take that one step further. Let's say someone else is saying it. Right? Like someone's saying it out loud. And then what should you be thinking of that during that time? So like, you know, and this happens in the temple, right? You're in the temple, and for some odd reason, multiple people are saying multiple things simultaneously. And you're trying to do what you're there to go do. Right? So, how does that affect you? Maybe I'm convoluting this, but you know. No, no, that's like great. This morning I was there, and there were like, there weren't a lot of people there, but there was a lot of background noise right. or whatever you know filter that you're trying to mm -hmm. to focus on. And so someone's saying no car, someone's doing something else, you know, and they're saying it out loud. Mm -hmm. So at that time, how does that affect us? I mean, like, do I get popped by not listening to that, you know? No, you have to tune that out and focus on the prayers that you're saying and the meaning of those prayers. And that is why if you don't, uh, if, or more appropriately, if your children don't understand the meaning, it is of extremely limited value for them to recite the prayer. Okay, they should know the meaning. And they should think about the meaning of the words that they're saying. And, and that would be the best... That means you're engaged, right? If you recite the prayer and you don't know the meaning, you're probably not even engaged in that much shamvar because you're thinking, you may be thinking about a violent thought or you may have a sexual thought or you may have something like that. You're not even getting the bare minimum of what you should be getting out of the prayer if you don't think about the meaning. So do you, do you believe that, like... So I've seen this, like, in our temple, once again, going back to the... I'm going to push it a little bit. Sure. <coughs> So there are a lot of people that are like, that are in a rush. So you hear them say, you know, and so are they really, really focused on the meaning? 
No. Or are they just trying to hit the checkbox that, hey, I did my 24 no car and this and that or whatever, 11 no car or whatever right. they're doing, right? It's going through know, the motions. I'm asking a question. No, I'm you're absolutely right. That, so. It's going through the motions. And they're not, get, who are they doing a disservice to themselves, right? Because with prayers especially, you get out what you put in. And if you don't put in that much, if you rush through it, if you don't think about it, then you didn't remind yourself of these things, of your values. So how does that work in Samhain, where it's a time-bound thing? I'm asking you now. <laughs> it's still the same thing. It's not, it's not a matter of, I sat for 48 minutes, because you could sat for, sit for 48 minutes and do mental violence and recite the prayer, right? So it's the same thing. It's not so the maybe, fact that you maybe sit. Maybe I'm, I'm pushing some other envelopes. No, I'm you're just not. Trying, I'm just trying to understand that, you know, if prayer is about you, right? Yes. And the prayer is about the meaning. Yes. Then what does time have to do with the meaning? Right? Then time doesn't matter. Then, whether it's 48 minutes or 54 minutes or whatever. Well, certainly the longer you focus, then the better it is, right? So why, I mean, then why isn't it 60 minutes or, you know, whatever that is? And my focus is maybe three minutes. I don't know. I mean, like, whatever that is, right? You know? Because people that can focus for 48 minutes have reached a certain stage of their life where someone that starts focusing, focusing for a minute is a big deal, right? You know? Certainly. And then, you know, whatever, you know, increases that is. As far as the number, what what is the, is it an arbitrary number or not? I don't know. I would take... Uh, you know anybody's thoughts that, on that matter there is a specific reason behind Science this 48 uh, in Jainism I don't right. know my wife yeah, I'm not too sure but there is something specific in, okay. but the point is is that the longer you can focus the better the longer you can concentrate on the meaning of the words the better I go ahead after no, that. I was just going to make that a different comment please Oh, I was just going to say what you're saying is true about the checkbox thing because doing pollution, pratikraman, it's the same thing, especially like the biggest pratikraman. You know? Like, you know, we, 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 we do so much every pratikraman. Viral does it, right? And I have this conversation with him all the time, you know, that, you know, I see this young kid sitting in front of me, right? And his dad's like, get lagger, get lagger, right? Like, he's asking him the wrong question. Like, are you done? Are you done? You know? Right. And I'm like, man, if we're in the middle of this birthday cover, do I go help this kid or do I just focus on my thing, you know? <laughs> so that's exactly the thought I had in my mind. What I think, in practical aspect, whether it's Pratikamar, whether it's Samai, or even growing up, I, I never, for example, if I have, when I, there is one phase where you have to count 161, 108 different numbers. Right. So the mother, and, yeah. Like we all discussed so far, I mean, the, the time, just uh, that nokar mantra, if everybody's trying to do with the meaning, it might take three hours just by that one, one item itself. The way I think about it, that do I, the first time I learned nokar mantra, did I know the meaning? The answer is no, I did not know the meaning. And it's like a lot of different things, right? And I know there's a sun, there's a moon. But, you know, what does sun does and moon does, you find out later in your life. I think that's the way I think about it. Sure. That, you know, you learn nokar mantra, and at some point of time, I'm absolutely right that you should get to a point that, okay, I am praying to punch for Mesti and then I should be, uh, you know, thinking about gaining their qualities, even though I think it's a wishing that we'll get the quality, which you were earlier saying, it not, should not be wishing or... Uh, yeah, you're reminding yourself that you want to emulate them. Correct. It's not wishing, it's not asking, it's right. you reminding yourself. 
So that in, okay, and then I, so I think it'll happen eventually. That's the way I think about it. Uh, I don't think I will necessarily if I if I instill that in in, in the kids uh, that you should think about it or you should know the meaning behind it. Although the generation is Y generation, they want to know why. That's different. So we explain like uh, meaning for different. Uh, but if we expect them to think about that every time, uh, I think it might uh, hinder them about doing this. Uh, and they, they stop doing it because they say, okay, we can't do that. Uh, we can't. Uh, so it might stop them. It might go the other way. So right. I, no, I think about it. You know, we can do it even for whatever it helps. And then when you get to a certain point, by just by reciting it so many times, you get to a point that, oh, you know what? I'm doing this for my whole life. Yeah. I, I think I should be emulating this punch Paramesti rather than using it for different purposes. Right. Uh, but if I wait too long, I might not even get that to that point. Right. So in, in, in our class, when we start, we start with an alternative the language class. So I think... Uh, what we are going to do is today exactly like first talk about the meaning. Somebody like you know will say the meaning in English and then we'll do the Mauryan and now we'll try to make that as a practice. So eventually it gets ingrained. Like you know, we have four years through what seven or eight year old, second right. grade, yeah. So that's that's a good point. Never thought about it that way. And so one of the corollaries to focusing on the meaning is that you should learn different ones, right? If you're going to focus on the meaning, then you should learn all the different prayers that we have. So you can focus on those meanings at the time and then use the correct prayer for the correct situation, right? So let's say if we only had the Nokar Mantra, it would be very tiring and very boring, right? But if you knew a bunch of different prayers, then you can make that the background of your entire day. Thinking about the different prayer, excuse me, and thinking about the meaning. And if you make prayers the background of your entire day, you will be constantly reminding yourself throughout the day, just like we talked in the mindfulness class, of your values, of the life you want to live, of the thoughts you want to have, and of the person, the soul, that you want to be. So one, just like the corollary of, well, if, if the purpose of the prayer is to constantly remind ourselves, then the corollary is that we need to say it in the morning. Well, if the purpose of, if the thing that we want to do when we say the prayer is to think about the meaning, then the corollary is we should learn a bunch of different prayers and a, bu and a bunch of different meanings and use them throughout the day. So just uh, in case you didn't believe it, um, such prayers constantly remind us what made them achieve that goal. A constant reminder that the practice of the path shown by Tirthankars is true and the only path to liberation. Prayers in Jainism mean a constant reminder of the virtues of the Tirthankars. That's what the prayer is for. It's a mindfulness exercise, right? If, if anybody doesn't remember the mindfulness class, we learned about the power of being aware of your thoughts. And if you... Well, it's one thing to be aware of your thoughts and then if you direct them towards prayer and the meaning of that prayer, then you will be well on your way to not performing any of the, um, not getting any karma, doing a bunch of summer and a bunch of near drill. So the forms of prayer, we have physical prayers, verbal prayer, and mental prayer. 
Physical prayer is adoration, bowing down before the idols, performing the ritual called puja with various materials such as waters, flowers, sandalwood paste, incense, waving of the light before the deity, and food offering. This is a type of physical prayer. So now, what good is physical prayer? <coughs> what are the benefits of doing this as opposed to a verbal or a mental prayer? I think that Muti Puja, right? I mean, this is right. what uh, the difference between the Muti Puja and uh, I mean, that those people don't believe in Muti Puja. Right. I would say less distraction because then they have to focus on doing this thing, so corrupts the thoughts on right. thinking about something else. Right. Perhaps. It gives a form or a structure. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's say if we were asked to focus on a, a source of light or uh, just something, a point, versus having a, uh, an idol helps to do that. I mean, that, that's why you bow down in front of an idol. No, yeah, but what about these flowers? Putting a flower right. in a tali, putting the water, making the sandalwood paste. What is, what's the benefit of all that? If a prayer is a constant reminder <laughs> to yourself, then what is the benefit of that? I submit to you that a lot of times we think that the body always follows the mind. And that the body is a slave and the mind is a master. But it's not so, okay? A lot of times, the mind follows the body. And I'll give you an example. If you have a tough time exercising and getting to the gym, okay, what you can do to increase your uh, compliance with your exercise routine is you tell yourself, well, I don't feel like going. It's after work. I'm not going to go to the gym. I got all this stuff to do. I don't feel like going. You tell yourself, Well, I'll go to the gym, I'll put on my exercise stuff, and if I still feel the same way, then I'll just leave the gym, having not exercised at all. Well, I guarantee you what will happen is you feel like crap after work, right? You go to the gym and you feel like, you know, you feel feel like lethargic and fatigued and all of that, you're mentally slow. And then you put on your stuff and you put your clothes away in your locker and you go outside and what happens? You feel different. You feel like... Well, you feel like, I'm here, I'm going to work out, I feel good, you know? And that's because the mind is following the body. You forced, your body has forced your mind into the mental subroutine of, well, it's gym time, I'm doing this for the gym. You're, I guarantee you, if you tell yourself that, 90% of the time, you will stay there and work out. And 10% of the time, you'll be like, I still feel like crap, I'm leaving. I'm going, I'm, I'm getting back in my car and going home, okay? That is because your body has forced your mind into a certain mental subroutine. So same thing here with these physical prayers. When you tell your body to do these things, you're forcing your mind into the subroutine of, oh, now it's prayer time. Now I know I need to do this, I need to focus on this. And doing that with your body helps your mind. I think that if you come to realize that the body and mind are more synergistic than you thought, then you will understand Questions on physical prayers. I think it makes, makes a lot of sense. I mean, you, ex- you just explained it. That I was able to not connect. Right. And uh, I, the honest part is, whenever you do the physical puja as well, you have thoughts coming in. But at least I, I think my state of mind before and after, after is always better than before. Right. So let's say, let's say you're of this kind of. Uh, your habit is you start the prayer and you recite it 
let's say verbally, but you start to drift off mentally and you start to think about other things. Well, if you have to do all this, if I got to move the flour and if I got to pour the water and if I got to make the sand, if I got to do the rice and all that, well, what are you doing? You're interrupting those thoughts with the physical activity. And when you interrupt, if you say, oh, uh, it's time for me to do the rice, well, that gives your mind an opportunity to reset. Every time you do something different physically, you like you won't get lost in these trains of thought. I've been lost in trains of thought for like 30 minutes, like just getting ready in the morning, you know, doing nothing, you know, or whatever. Like, but if I have to do all this, it's more and more opportunities for your body to kind of cut the train of thought that your mind was going on and reset it to something that you want to think about. But I think the same thing applies that I... I I think the same thing applies when you say prayer before when you're trying to refocus. Right. Even though I'm not praying the emula, trying to at that time I'm not thinking about emulating the punch tea, But I think the the Nokar mantra works in same sense uh, as uh, as you just uh, explained on the physical. You're absolutely prayer. right. But ref but you know what will help you refocus better is if you concentrate on the meaning of the words. You can use the prayer to help you reset yourself mentally. But it will be better if you reset yourself mentally based on the meaning of the words. So verbal prayer. Uh, maybe in prose, port, poetry, very short mantra, a hymn or stutra, or an elaborate one. Mental prayer. Now, it seems like this is the easiest one. Certainly, it's easier to think about things than say things, than do things, right? But the book says, this is the hardest one. This kind of prayer can be effectively be performed only by an advanced aspirant who is well-versed in the right spiritual tenets and has good control over his mind and senses. How is the mental one the hardest one? It is. Shouldn't it be the easiest one? Shouldn't it? Because shouldn't it, it's <laughs> mental, you just sit there, right? For this other stuff, you have to say things. And for physical, you have to do things. So why is mental the hardest one? Because uh, in this case, you have to get both your body and mind stay tuned right. to what you're doing exactly. and that's, that's the most toughest thing. Right, because these help your mind. Physical and verbal help your mind. And so that's why I would submit that when you say your prayers in the morning, say them out loud. Okay? Because we talked about this before. <clears throat> when you hear them through your ears, you're getting your prayers through another sense, more than just your mind. And so it helps you. It helps your mind stay that. That's why if you do mental only, that's the hardest one. Verbal is a little bit easier. And puja, physical prayer, is even easier because it reinforces the prayer in your mind. Because as we talked about, the mind is a slave to the body more than we know. Okay, so that's why mental, you're exactly right, that's why mental is the hardest part. You have to have extremely good control. And you don't have those opportunities to cut your train of thought. Because if I'm just sitting here, right here, and I'm not paying attention to my thoughts, and I could just lose my whole 48 minutes, I could just waste it, right? So that's why mental is the hardest One example part. of that, in, we talked about the Pratikaman earlier. So in Pratikaman, when you have to do more than 100 nokar, you, there, when you're a child, you, you're given a nokar body. So you count exon or exo exo devi, 161, like that. Then you're asked to do on your fingers. So you, it's a little bit harder. And then the way, the real way to do it is just sit like this and count in your mind how many times you're saying it. And that's the hardest. And don't even move your lips. <laughs> right. And you, yeah, you, no using your fingers. Right? Yeah, don't, don't use your fingers. <laughs> don't use your no, no kawari. 
just sit still and you're counting in your mind and at the same reciting Nokamatra. It's the same thing you're reciting for 180, I mean, you think, but it's so difficult to, to say it and count it as, right. as to it. And right. if you want to try, if you want to tr practice that, try counting your breaths while you're meditating. Okay? Counting your breaths. Counting your breaths. Okay? It's very hard. Sometimes you lose track before 10, sometimes you get up to 30, and then it's extremely hard, right? Also sounds so conflicting and you want to be in the prayer and think about like, you know, what you're praying for and then here you're keeping a counter or track of the numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is, it is uh, conflicting yeah. with the whole purpose of focusing on the meaning of the prayer or whatever you're reciting. I submit to you that it isn't because it's not to get lost in the meaning of the prayer, okay? Because you could easily do that. If I, when I say focus on the meaning... And I, you could get lost in it. You could say, oh, I bow down to the Arihants. And what are the Arihants? And who are the Arihants? And, and then you get lost, just like you got lost in a other non, in like a secular train of thought. It's not to get lost in that meaning. But it is to uh, focus your mind on how you want to live your life according to those principles. And so it's not conflicting to count because, well, that's just, one more thing to focus on. It's not you don't want to get lost in the meaning, because then you're no, you're, it's no better than uh, getting lost in some other train of thought. Uh, so okay, so for anybody who wanted uh, a lot of uh, nice language, we we talked about the author of the book likes to inspire you, right? Uh, inspire you with a, a bunch of nice words. So. Uh, prayer is unconditional love for liberated souls and a universal remedy to live in bliss. The practice of devotion destroys extrovertedness of mind. An introverted mind becomes free from limitations and imperfections. You superimpose higher ideals on your ordinary self. Uh, physical prayer is the simplest practice for purifying your mind. We worship the ideal for which the idol stands. We don't worship the idol. We don't worship the body. We don't worship the image. We worship the ideals for which the idol stands for. Uh, the more one gets tuned for devotion, uh, the more the idol becomes the perfect ideal for the devotee. We think about the duality between the worshiper, uh, the duality between the worshiper, which is yourself, and the worshipped, which is the ideal, vanishes. So that's great because you become your ideals. Your individual consciousness becomes one with the universal consciousness, okay? Author really feeling his oats here. The devotee experiences unalloyed and unbroken bliss at all time, okay? That's the nature of your soul is to be in uh, infinite bliss. And after this realization, living in this world becomes a matter of joy. And that is the goal of human life, okay? So... Really uh, kind of inspirational words there for you as, a, as to what you might get out of prayer. And so the one takeaway I have for you here is that prayer is something that you get out what you put in. Okay, So if you rush it, as Nick was talking about, if you rush it, if you just tick the box, you're not going to get anything out of it. You might get something minuscule out of it. But if you decide to do it mindfully and purposefully, thinking about what the words mean, and using it to rearrange your thoughts to the ideal person you want to be, then you could get quite a bit out of prayer. So, but it's just a matter of the work that you want to do. Uh, questions or comments about any of that? Just a word about comment about the word mindfulness. 
Right. So as I was prepping for my deposition, uh, my attorney used that word multiple times. Yeah. And you, you know, you would think, I mean, something we think it's ritual uh, and practical, <laughs> being more commercial life, that that came up more than more than once about being mindful, <laughs> being mindful, being mindful. You just want to be mindful of the question they ask, and I'm like, you know, and how right. can you teach somebody that in even eight hours? Uh, <laughs> that time you get, and usually not even that much, but yeah, it's a, it's quite important now, even in business sense. <laughs> so you don't want to say something you're not supposed to say, or or you don't want to answer, don't answer the question that they ask, or. You know, you don't want to just kind of this stream of verbal talk that the other side wants you to get in, right? Exactly. And you know what? I, I've even practiced that after that. Uh, if you ask a question to somebody, we, we have a habit of answering more than that person is asking for. Right. It, it's just, I, pra- I mean, I, I actually tested that with a few people and they, they all ended up answering more than what I was, I was asking for. I asked them yes or no question. And they said so much more than that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that, that's all. we are all trained to do that. That's that's our behavior. Yeah, that's we, our habit. We have a speaking bias over a listening bias because we want to show others that we have value in the group, and that's why we tend to speak uh, more than we listen. Because if we were really rational about collecting information and collecting power and everything like that we would listen much more than we speak but we don't because we evolved to display our values to other people um, and that's kind of why uh, people like to talk a lot <laughs> okay thank you so much for coming out this week thank you. really thank appreciate you. it thank you.